0: Good morning. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul, Angeline, and today we're talking about Saul wants to call it co-GMing. I would call it sharing GM duties.
1: Team GMing.
0: He has all these crazy names in his head.
1: Yeah, well, only because you asked me about uh, co-GMing being something different to two people No, online.
0: I told you that to people online, co-GMing seemed to mean something different than what you were talking about.
1: Right. So just to explain, uh, for me, co-GMing is GMing the same game.
0: At as... different times.
1: <laughs> yeah, sharing GM duties as far as like, I think it's going back and forth, sharing the same world. Sharing the same game where the characters are persistent between the different GMs.
0: Where Saul goes, Co GMing is because the GMs really want to play in the games that they're running. And I go, As he looks at me funny, like, I can do something about this.
1: (laughs) Well, for me, I buy games that are interesting to me. So therefore, that's the game that I would like to play in.
0: A funny story. We were at a bookstore yesterday. And he goes, I want this. And I go, you already have that. I'm pretty sure I've seen it in the, in the bookshelves. And he says, no, I don't think so. I go, yes. He goes, well, then I'll buy this one. Go, okay. <laughs> and we get home and he goes, you were right. I had it.
1: I think, I don't know if you really remember. I think you were just playing the laws of probability.
0: <laughs> no, I told you I saw that book before.
1: Okay. Uh, no, I, it's just, it, and by the way. it
0: looked like it said Icewind Dale on it
1: right is that yeah. what it said
0: no okay it's,
1: it's a it's a game of ice and fire
0: uh i thought it said Icewind Dell, and i go isn't that where where the
1: drizzet is yeah no it is but that's not what game this is
0: i told him i had seen the cover and he right. didn't believe me but i had
1: i can't believe you remember that cover anyway so co-gming for me is jamming the same game and all the characters are the same you switch adventures, you switch GMs, and all the players keep the characters.
0: Now, this might sound very complicated to us, but <laughs> it can either be complicated or easy. It can either work really well or work really badly. Saul's had to experience this both ways. And I think a lot of people talking about co-GMing, I think the biggest thing they need to, to consider is that what are they going to do with their character? I read online these people were saying, well, that they have, the one guy goes, I was GMing for a long time, so I know all the lore. So whenever the second GM is running, he always asks me questions about the lore just to make sure I'm okay with what he's going to do, which to me, that doesn't sound so fun, right? Because, right. because then you're going to know what's going to happen. <laughs> and well, and no, no surprise. I think
1: the situation that occurred is that, if one GM is not as competent in the world or in the game itself, that could happen. And I, you don't want that to happen. So you should both want.
0: You should both have read every all the stuff. Well, okay. I'm not going to say everything because there's a lot of stuff to read sometimes.
1: So, yeah. So I think that the most important, just like it's important for a game to have a session zero, the GMs have to have a session zero. And I'm going to harken back to my business law class where the, the professor said for contracts, I believe it's contracts, it's, it's been over 30 years, people, so if I get this a little bit wrong.
0: Not very many people will know.
1: Not very many people will know, but if I get it wrong, you lawyers out there, there has to be a meeting of the minds, according to my old professor, in a contract where both people have to understand what they're talking about or what's being discussed and what the contract means.
0: That's why lawyers do contracts because they're the only ones that understand each other.
1: <laughs> well, they do do the, the legal speak so make you kind of confused about what's going on just like in the contract the gms have to come together and talk about all the things about the come well as many things about the campaign as they can within reason right
0: you would want to think that they were going to talk about things like where you want the campaign to go or don't want the campaign to go right subjects you don't want it to to happen subjects that are fine
1: Right. So this is kind of like a session zero, but it's just between the GMs where they discuss the game they're going to play and all kinds of things. And I think it's really important that this happens because if it doesn't happen, then people are just go on assumption and that never ends well. You assume things are going to be a certain way, but everybody's different. So your assumption is not the same as somebody else's assumption. So it can be problematic later on as you discover as you're playing that the other gm has changed stuff that you hadn't thought about in your opinion in your opinion you hadn't or you hadn't thought about it and now you're like oh i don't know if i wanted to do that or i didn't want that to happen and so that's that's why it's very important to actually talk to your co-gm deal with all that stuff later i mean deal with all that stuff before you start playing i think
0: I think the other thing is the characters, right? Because if you're you're GMing, your character's not doing anything, right? Right. So I see this as, I noticed it with the game that you and Bay GM, -GM, co-GM, the one ring, that each character isn't there during the session. Right. So they kind of have to catch up or meet up. And also they don't get the experience that the other people got, right? right so that makes them on different levels which shouldn't be a problem but i could see that that could cause problems with some people's not necessarily your group because you guys are pretty good about that
1: right and and uh that is true you're not going to get as much experience as the people who are not jamming
0: so then you wouldn't want to like run the campaign for six months and then let the other gm run it because your character would be if, if you're talking a D&D campaign, your character would still be a lower level than all the other characters. If you're talking other, I guess, even the one ring, you get points. You yeah, get things, advancement points yeah, and stuff. And different yeah, different things. Correct. So that puts you on a different level, but that's not a bad thing. But you probably would want to do it more often, sharing the duties so that your character gets to go forward too.
1: I haven't thought about that. I haven't thought about basically the GM's characters are going to be weaker, if it matters, to, than the rest of the players.
0: Well, I thought about it only because I read it on on <laughs> th- the internet on Reddit. This one guy was saying that him and the his co gm they have a which I wouldn't do they have a they share a character, but the character has split personalities oh, so when one gm is running <laughs> it's one wow. kind of the character acts one way and when the other g m is running, the character acts the other way that way it explains why the character does different things at different times Wow, that is <laughs> so weird. i thought i think that might be just a little too complicated and some people said that they let the the gms play as a non-pc character as they're running which we've talked about that before it doesn't always end well when that happens
1: the gm pc yeah we have discussed that at length and and every time i see it on the social media f- facebook basically it is amazing how many people say oh it's okay I can, or they're the GMPC person, right? So they're going. I have no problem running my character while I'm while I'm GMing. And I'm like, and nobody in the game, nobody else in the party or, or in the in the in the group, complains about it. Of course not. You're the freaking GM. They complain about it. They, oh, oh, stop playing then, right? I mean, I don't know, but it's it it just. I don't think it's a good idea. We already discussed that at length, uh, but it is amazing to me that so many people on Facebook at least, think that it's not a problem. Like for every one person like me who says that is a terrible idea, there's nine people who say, oh, yeah, I, I can do it, no problem. Oh, my, I, I do it all the time. Oh, my GM does it all the time. This is not a problem. I'm like, okay, well, if it works for you, then who am I to criticize Are you having fun? But no, we're not talking about that. Word. When I co-GM, I never think about using my, because I'm against it, my character in the game. What do you need to talk about when you talk to your co GM? One, I would suggest co GMing in two. Having more than one person, more than two people p- running the same world can be problematic. One, there's two. Sometimes too many brains in the mix, and, and it can be problematic. I'm thinking when you meet with the, your co GM, you need to talk about what kind of game you want to run. What you can have the genre, like you could run the one ring. You can run the one ring, which is very much trying to mimic the, uh, the feeling and the, the stories in the books, not necessarily the movie, but somebody who GMs likes Dungeons and & Dragons and likes a lot of combat, and it's a lot about combat, and, and the other GM is it's all about the story and the, and the character development. So those are the kind of things, that's what I mean by tone. Do you want this super, not super heroic, but high heroic adventure game? Or more of a gritty, brooding kind of game.
0: In the one ring, if it's a high heroic game, your characters aren't going to last very long. I'm just saying.
1: Well, there's some systems like that that are very non-heroic. So that's that's just another that's one part of the meeting of the minds is that you have to discuss the tone and the type of game that you want to run. Another thing for me is house rules. Are you going to have any house rules? That's important. Some people really like the house rule a lot of stuff
0: i think i think that comes that's a very good point because some gms don't like certain rules and in fact i was playing in a game yesterday where the gm said that if he doesn't like the rule he probably won't use it which is totally what saul does saul always does that if he doesn't like the rule eh, it's not there just (laughs) but that's the that's one of the the great parts about role-playing games is that as the GM or the players, if you come across rules that don't work for you and your group, you agree upon it, right? And you don't use it. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, I was good. right. If, if you agree to dismiss a rule or add a rule, then I think that's... It's always not-
0: important to tell the people, make sure everybody <laughs> knows what's going on, because otherwise there's going to be a, lo- a rules lawyer sitting at the table going... I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but you can't do that. Uh, You're not. The rule is on page 22, and I don't think you read it right.
1: Right. Exactly. I don't think you should discuss the GM duties. What exactly is each GM going to do?
0: You mean like what they're responsible for?
1: Well, like how much time are they gonna? Yeah. What are responsible for? It's like some people really like GMing, right? They they like the actual act of gming the game other people are into like planning and making maps and stuff like that and i just i guess it's just a division of, of labor i think because what are what is the gm responsible for like one gm could could really be like i said make maps have a lot of uh props and stuff and then when it because that's just what he likes to do or she likes to do that's what they like to do and then the other gm is more like
0: Let's put a piece of paper out here and this is what we're going to yeah, do. Yeah,
1: sh- it shows up with a maybe a sheet of paper and some ideas and let's go.
0: Well, if it's a physical in person game, then you yeah. might want to share the I stuff am, that the uh, other GM.
1: <laughs> I am talking about physical games, but this could also happen in online games, right? Some people. Online's a little easier
0: because it's like if you're doing it on Roll20, the guy that likes to put all the stuff in could do that. And then you're both using it, right? Right. The same with a real life game. If someone's really into terrain and oh, and, I yeah, and you miniatures, can you can share the stuff. Yeah. It's not like he's going to go, oh, you can't play with my toys.
1: That's probably true. Another thing, if you're playing a specific genre game or IP, intellectual property, is how important is canon or how important is what is already written in the story. Uh, for example, in the Star Wars game, are the char- are the characters, the player characters going to run into... Han Solo and Leia, are they going to be able to kill Han Solo, whether by accident or by on purpose, or do something like that, that would change what's already been on the movies or written? Well, Disney just says if the books are all, they're not canon, they're not part of the real Disney Star Wars universe, or the One Ring. The, the One Ring could be be that way.
0: Well, we do, we did that with our recent game in the One Ring where we ran into Bilbo. And Bilbo was nothing like <laughs> I thought he would be. <laughs> I have Bilbo in my head from the books as a certain way. And even in the movies when they, when they show Bilbo as, as having been touched by the shadow where, he's, where he does the little, yeah, yeah. thing. You don't I like didn't that. like that. You never liked it. I that. never liked it. You never liked it. And that. I don't recall that from the book. I, I, it might have been a scene in there, but I, it, there, there's a lot in those books. So And I've only read them. maybe maybe the second time for the for the first one but
1: um yeah I don't remember Bilbo going after the 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 ring like when he sees it I'm
0: sure someone will tell us if he did or not because some people that listen to this podcast are really into that (laughs) (laughs) but I can see how how canon is you know you're running into an actual character
1: Right, like us killing. Let, okay, so the One Ring takes place five years after the Battle of the Five Armies, and in the books, the Fellowship of the Ring doesn't occur for another eighty years, right. or something Like that. So let's, we ran into Bilbo in this game, which takes place five years after the Battle of Five Armies, and we could have killed Bill. We were we Bill, Bill, Bilbo. We were in proximity of him, so one of us could have probably gotten a ton of shadow, but we could have killed Bilbo. And what does that do, right?
0: That would change history, right?
1: That would change however the game is going to progress. And basically, Bilbo dies, and it's left to the sack of right? Because theoretically, that's what should have happened. But maybe he had already adopted Frodo, and so Frodo would be the one. But no, Frodo couldn't have been, because he's not alive at the time. So yeah, you could go into those kind of quandaries about time and space and all that crap. So you really got to discuss with the other GM. Is anything off the books or anything off the table as far as what the players can do with named characters in a, in in a in a in the in the game
0: and in that eighty years it doesn't matter, and it's not gonna affect the actual canon of the of Lord of the Rings right well but kill Bilbo in your game it's gonna affect what what's gonna happen. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that's something really important. and You should really discuss it with your coach. Yeah.
0: And as a Star Trek person, <laughs> I'm going to say that fans <laughs> won't like that. Star Star Wars won't fans wouldn't like it. If I think you, if you're a if fan you have,
1: of something, you want to you want to be immersed in that world. So to you, or to them, not to me, but to them, that's why they like the world or the universe, right? That's that's what they really enjoy out of it. All these characters and you changing a pivotal or a very important person character in those in that those worlds it just throws them off they don't like it
0: so you're going to want to know your audience if with when, when it comes to I know we started talking about this because of canon so if it when it comes to the canon of whatever game you're playing you're going to want to know the people you're playing with and how how much they like stuff. I was gonna say fanatical, <laughs> but recently I've discovered that that term is not necessarily a positive? good term.
1: I think you're right. That's probably not a t- positive term. So that that's that's important. Yeah. the The canon only if players really care about, well, and the other GM care about.
0: That's only if you're playing a genre game, right? Right.
1: Right. Yeah. For example, yeah. So I ran. I I've, I've tried to run two co-GMing games. One was a game between four people and the, and the thing was, it was it was just an idea, right? It was an idea that we we play on Friday nights and I thought, well, it'd be interesting to be, have that campaign experience. You know, a lot of us, we were playing a lot of one shots or, or one shots that turned into three sessions or whatever, but I thought a persistent world would be cool. I thought us playing our characters to a higher level would be neat and. What happened was everybody had a different idea of what I was talking about,
0: but they never actually talked to each other. Well, we did.
1: We did talk to each other, but we didn't discuss what I didn't discuss what my idea was in full. I just told them, "Hey, I think we could all play in the same world." We blah blah, and and there wasn't much more than like maybe a five minute discussion. And everybody goes, "Oh yeah," but everybody went home and did something totally different, and, and and just worked on everything totally different. I think my, my brother probably didn't do anything at all. Neither uh, didn't Mike. And I was thinking more of a game that, of a world that we would, and I think I did tell him this, we would explore. We would explore from like a, the, the small to large, right? We would start small and we would expand into a larger world. And the world wouldn't exist until we decided that we explored somewhere and then we would come up with what happened in that world. That was my idea. I know Jolene's looking at me kind of weird. And it didn't turn out that way, right? Like I said, my one, two co-GMs didn't really do much. They maybe thought about running uh, an adventure. But Jim, our friend, he came up with the whole world, I think almost 30,000 years of history. And I was like, whoa. I was like inundated with this information. And I was just like, oh, I hadn't thought of that. I wasn't thinking of that. I wasn't thinking of this long 30,000-year rule, I mean, uh, history. history. I was thinking more of a kind of like a West Marches game where your village has existed for a long time and then you have minimal contact with the outside world and you slowly explore. And the, as you explore, you you make up stuff as you go along. These
0: are not the people that I thought you were talking about when you said you had done another co-GMing. I was thinking it was before that.
1: Oh. No, I don't remember what it was. Another one,
0: and with when you were playing in Salinas, going to Salinas and playing.
1: Oh, well, when I was going to Salinas, I was primarily the GM. I wanted this to happen, right? So I, I think I've complained about this one, or cried about this one before on a on a previous episode. So I wanted to run. I when I started playing, I never stopped playing. Anyway, I never stopped playing any games, any role playing game, but third edition just came out so in two, 2001 is when I when I got the book or I looked at the book I go oh this is a good set of rules so I went to my group my old group and I emailed like 15 a bunch of people I said hey the new edition this new edition is out it looks pretty cool I want to start a new campaign we're gonna all play in it we're all gonna GM it and then Uh, just tell me what you guys think of what campaign we should get, right? At the time, there was... Nobody
0: answered him, so he got what he wanted.
1: Forgotten Realms, right. So I just got went with Forgotten Realms, and I started a campaign. Boom. I started running. And I ran another adventure. And then by the third adventure, I go, okay, guys, is anybody ready to take over the reins of GMing? Nope. 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 Okay, so uh, everybody said, oh, I'm not ready, blah, 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 blah. So we kept going, and I kept going, and then everybody was 10th level. So I ended the campaign. I'm like, okay, this is not going the way I wanted to. I'm not gonna start a first level character and you guys are all 10th level. So that campaign ended. I started a new campaign. Now by this time, you know, third edition, we're probably on Pathfinder, but the same thing happened again. You know, everybody's, oh yeah, we all, okay. So I, I that was a failed experiment in that one. I, well, like I said, the co-GM, it never happened. I think at one point, uh, one person ran a game. I think it was Sip, he ran a, uh, an adventure, and that was in Pathfinder. So that was a whole t- ten years after the first campaign ended, and then into the second campaign, which had evolved into Pathfinder, and uh and he ran a good game. I really liked it. It was really interesting. And that's the one where, if you've listened to previous podcasts, we were chasing a dragon into a cavern, and he goes, "Why didn't you guys just walk away?" But we didn't want to. Share duties and stuff like that. Uh, meeting of the minds is probably one of the most important things you need to do.
0: I think four co-GMs is probably a little much.
1: Yes. So so people, according to Julian, a lot of people think that co-GMing is a bad idea, but they we're talking about GMing at the same time.
0: Yes. I looked up co-GMing and, you know, on the internet you get lots of interesting things when you look stuff up. <laughs> I finally found it, but when I was reading it, they were talking about two GMs at the table and how one GM would get stuck with all the bad duties, like telling people no, and the other GM would be going, oh, sure, go ahead. As the other GM is going, what are you doing? (laughs) So So that that, kind of co-GMing may not work very well.
1: Right. So on on the positive side, me and my friend Bay. well, I started running the one ring. And then he noticed that I was really interested in the game and he goes, oh, do you want you know? I don't know, and I don't, honestly, I don't remember. I should ask Bay, but he's busy. I don't remember how he he started because my idea was not to co GM with the One Ring, but I really he saw that I really liked the game, and he offered to run the game, and he really likes the Middle Earth. I mean, he he's actually read the Silmarillion, so that you know he's he's, head and shoulders above my level of Middle Earth expertise. So he ran a, he's ran a couple few, quite a few games. So we were running the. At first, we was I forget what book it was. We were writing r- running a mo- uh, games out of a, a book, adventures out of a book, and we were like, "Oh, what, what, you know, what games have you ran? I ran this one and this one, uh, I, and I'm reading this one." So, so that, that so we were we did talk about it, but that wasn't like I, we didn't do what I suggest you do is have a real good meeting of the minds, have a conversation about what's good, what's not. Though we did at one point, I, I did send him a, a long email saying, "Okay." What are your thoughts on this? So I did, we did do it, but it was after we had already started. I think what made, what makes that co GM experience successful is we're both pretty laid back. Uh, at least I considered maybe laid back. He might be tense and whatever whenever he does stuff, but on the surface he's laid back, and I'm more than laid back th- than most people. And he's and, not exaggerating that. And one. because of that, I, th- I think if there was something that bothered us, it didn't really bother it didn't bother us. And we both were had the same idea, right? We were both even though we hadn't had a meeting of the minds, we were both on the same page as far as what we wanted to experience. We both liked the the tales of of Middle Earth from the books. We both had this feeling of uh, the characters being uh having an important role in the world that they were they were in. And we both have the idea that that our, char- that our characters, because we, well, we all have characters, they're sort of, you know, they're heroes, not heroes of the realm, but they're heroic in a certain sense. They're doing something that most people wouldn't do. Most people don't go out adventuring, so because of that, there's something special about them. So I think we both, uh, our, our styles are pretty similar as far as how we run the game, though he is really versed in Middle-earth, so I think he adds a little bit of a extra... Je to the to the to the adventures, but we you know but we do talk about oh this is what this is what happened to this you know and we sent though not really talk about it, we sent each other vast emails uh, when we were GMing and I think it worked out really well I, and I think because we both have the same kind of vision or the both ideas about what we thought we think Middle Earth is like we work really well together so that's been a really good success story.
0: So you kind of get the idea that it can work really well, or it cannot work really well. Is that what you're telling me?
1: Well, I think I think if you do your homework, which is I hate to say that you know homework work in a in a <laughs> in in discussion of a role playing game. But you, I think the same thing with when you start a campaign with new players or even old players. You start a campaign. You say, or you start a new game. You you have that that session zero. So even though we, did, me and Bay didn't do that. We did do that a little bit after we're like two or three sessions in. We're like, maybe we should discuss what, 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 what we plans are. And so that's what I did. I, I sent them a lengthy email. And as long as you have that discussion, I would suggest that you do that before you start the campaign, because sometimes other people's playing styles or jamming or styles, isn't similar to yours. And if it's too dissimilar. Then the players themselves are like, okay, oh, we gotta play this way with Saul, or we gotta play this way with Bay. Bay likes a little bit more investigative, more role playing, where Saul is a combat aficionado. That's not true, I'm not. But those kind of things could happen. But because we're kind of, I think, I think we're both kind of similar in a certain way, as in regards to the game, in regards to Middle Earth, in regards to the One Ring. It worked out well, and we dis- we discussed it later. We were like, okay, what do you want to do? Where do you think our character, or the character is going to go from here? Or what is the goal? And then we t- talked about that. And like I said, we- our first games were adventures out of a book called uh, Tales of the Wilderland, which is a set of like seven adventures in the book. I only ran one or two of them, and he picked the other ones. Like, okay, I won't read those. And then after that, after we were almost done with every adventure in that book, we were like, should we continue running the game and go on to, the Darkening of the Mirkwood, which is a long campaign, and and it's really neat. I think I've talked about that. Enjoyed the adventures in the in the Tales of Wilderland, and we also like the way the Darkening of the Mirkwood is is written. And the Darkening of the Merkwood, it's there's not there's not necessarily adventures in it, but there's a, a adventure seeds and and things that could come up, and it's really well done because it's more like a a tale of the years, right? They, they kind of give you a timeline. And they go, well, this could happen in this year, in this situation. And this could happen this year, or this would happen. And then it goes on through these different years. And, and we've, we're basically going, okay, what? And then every once in a while, since he keeps track of this better, th- another thing is he doesn't get pissed off when I'm like my loosey goosey GMing ways.
0: He probably does. He probably just doesn't tell you about it.
1: <laughs> Where I go, what year are we in? <laughs> You know, this is all over email, so it's kind of funny. So he goes, well, I think this would take... the," And we discussed how long the adventures were taken. And, and so we figured that... He figures it out for me. And that's another thing. Sometimes some GMs fit well together. Some... Like me and Bay seem to work well together. We really get along to, for, for the I most don't part. understand why you and Felipe
0: wouldn't work well together then. Because well, you guys think a lot alike.
1: Well, maybe we are too much alike. Brother, you weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I think GMing, co-GMing is a really... Positive things that can happen. So now that we discussed some problems about GMing, co-GMing, and some hurdles, let's say not problems. They
0: weren't all. Pro- they weren't all.
1: They weren't all hurdles. I know Johnny's still waking up, but let's talk about the good things that can happen or good things about co-GMing for me, anyway. As I mentioned, co-GMing is really fun. Yes, it's uh, you get your work cut in half. That's pretty cool. you don't have to put out as much create as much content for the game. I really like that, especially in a long game in a long campaign like we're running me and Bay are running the me and Bay are running the the one ring the darkening of the Mirkwood. and that's a long campaign, so we've been going back and forth and the good thing about so that's a good thing that we are not gonna worry about game burnout and and stuff like that. So that's pretty cool. Then another thing we've done, me and Bay, is bounce ideas off each other. I've asked them about how do you, how are we going to approach this situation or that. And it's pretty neat to be able to talk to somebody who is running the same game and has the same sort of goal because you can't bounce those ideas off a player, a regular player, because... We the, could. Yeah, but you don't want to give anything away, right? Like w- what might be ahead where and what's going to come up in the future.
0: It's always nice to have somebody to talk to about what
1: you're going to do. Right. And in this case, they really are invested in what's going on because they're also running the game. So that's pretty cool. Uh, Another thing I wrote down was learning from GMs, right? We go to a lot of different conventions. At least we used to. Uh, Things are starting to start up again. Thank God. And one thing we do is we go play games with other GMs and, we learn from the good and the bad. And I think that's a good way of getting better. And in this case, you are co-GMing with somebody. So you run a game for them and then you're in their game because you all are also a player. And then you get to see how they deal with more or less the same situation, the same things that occur because you're playing in the same game that you're running. You know, you're just going back and forth. And I think that's pretty valuable because you learn... You learn more about GMing.
0: I... <laughs> when I go to the conventions, <laughs> I don't always play in, in other games. Sometimes I do, but it depends on the convention and the games.
1: Right, right. Well, I, I play a little bit more role-playing games than you when you, when you go to conventions. You kind of like the board games. And
0: He thinks he's 16 again and can stay up all night and play all day and play all night
1: i do pretty good i think i do pretty good i'm a little more tired nowadays but yeah i do i do pretty good so i think that's pretty important is being able to learn from another gm and i think as a kid when we were when i was growing up and playing dungeons and dragons in our little circle of friends and it got to be a pretty big circle of friends we had we had a group that was 10 12 people and but the thing is, is that when you're such in a, even that number of people, it's kind of a cloister, right? You're cloistered, you're, you kind of all think the same way because you kind of all garnered this idea of how to play D&D. That's what we used to play the same way.
0: That's because you had the same GM.
1: Right, right. And, and we had the same, you know, like Felipe was, was instrumental in the way we thought about how to play because he was the one that usually taught us how to play and, me, when I taught other people how to play, I was using the same method or the same ideology. I hate to use that term.
0: You were you all apprentices. <laughs>
1: and the master.
0: Well, I, I wouldn't go that far. I would say you're all apprentice, <laughs> apprentices because all of you, I think that's, that was a good example for you because Felipe, even if he does run a module, which he doesn't do a lot, he he didn't really like the module he made his own kind of
1: yeah one one, we didn't have like we didn't have a game store that really prevented us from having buying modules all the time but when we did when we did have access to a a game store somewhere i think that toward uh when we were older there was a game store in monterey which is about 30 minutes away from salinas and uh and we i remember going there but i remember buying a lot of stuff mainly because we were still broke (laughs) But I remember, I, mean, I think I told you this, I said this, that at one time we wanted to play in against the Giants. And it's right when, a, uh, well, against the Giants is three different modules and they, and they con- put them all together and they made it against the Giants, which was a, a module that contained all three previous modules. All a- three adventurers. Yeah. And me, Sip, and Esteban, we were all going to run a different module of that tri- trio. So uh, we obviously had access to a game store somewhere. And it might have been at the, at the well, there was also the game conventions. Game, we would go to game conventions. Yeah. And there would be, well, we'd go to Pacificon, just one. And there would be a vendor's hall. And well, for the most part, we were broke. But, every, but toward the end that we started, we, toward the end of going to Pacificon, we were working and had a little bit of money. So we used to buy stuff. So I remember we us buying the Against the Giants module. And uh, we were still pl- obviously playing D&D at the time, AD&D at the time. What I'm saying is we all kind of grew up in the same group. And we all learned from the same person kind of, which would be Felipe. Though there was a mix of other people who, like Mark Schmidt, who wasn't in the group that, that Felipe started, right? He, he met Mark through some other, like uh, probably an ad at the, at the local hobby shop. And Mark came from a totally different way of playing. And so there was that, that little bit of influence. But for most of the influence, we all still played in our little group, which was the Joneses, uh, us at Morales's, and a few other people. And so when you get air, people coming from outside that bubble, you're like, wow, oh, that's interesting. And then there's some aspects, like, like some aspects of, uh, of role playing that I never really even thought of or even came across.
0: So basically what you're saying is you might not want to co-GM with someone that you don't know. Well, yeah. Unless you really had a, a zero session and you really were on the same page
1: about how you, where you wanted the campaign yeah, to go. Yeah, no, there's that. Yeah, true. Because you may not Co- like GM. their style. Or, <laughs> of course. Yeah. It's like sometimes when you play a game and you, don't, you just don't like the way the GM is running the game, their style, their, the way the GM works. And that's okay because not, not everything is going to be to your liking. But if you're co-GMing, you better make sure that at least you're slightly in sync as to how you want to approach the game.
0: On the same page. Yes. At least a page apart, maybe. Right.
1: Learning from the GM, I, I learned quite a bit from Bay. He has a totally, not a totally different style from me, but he has a different style in a, in in a certain sense. That's good exposure to different types of role-playing uh, gm and styles is good and you learn from it and maybe you incorporate the stuff that you like and you ignore the stuff that you don't like so that's it that's everything that's everything i want to talk about
0: okay this is gaming perspectives with
1: Saul. and jolene and hopefully jolene will wake up <laughs> next episode i'm working on it <laughs> have a good day